and welcome to Draw, Lose or Draw, a weekly podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. Joining me this week to look back on a very busy and eventful weekend, we've got a bumper panel to do so. Rhys Aldane is here. Rhys, how are you? I'm very well, thanks Matt. Uh, like you say, it's a bumper episode tonight and we've got a, a hell of a lot to discuss. It's been one of the maddest 24 hours at Partick Thistle in probably about a fortnight. We're just used to this stuff now, but... <laughs> Uh, I'm looking forward to having a good chat about it, so it should be good. Jamie McDonald's here. Jamie, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, like you said, it's been very eventful last day and a half. And yeah, I'm looking forward to discussing it. Heather Holloway is here. Heather, are you well? Yes, great. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me on and looking forward to having a good discussion. And rounding off our panel is David Forrest. David, how are you? Uh, well, yeah, I left at half time. Uh, uh, I books and we're one nil up. But I've not checked anything since, but um, I'm, I'm glad to see you, McCall, going straight for strength into the Scottish Cup quarterfinals. Um, you know, honours and upwards. <laughs> anyway, we'll start not as we always do. Uh, I'm going to read out today's. That's Monday. Monday night's club statement. Um, a club released a statement this evening that says the primary aim for Partick Thistle Football Club for this season is to regain Premiership status. Management team are given a budget to support this objective. Given the playing squad assembled for this season, everyone at the club was united in the belief that this was an achievable prospect. The decision to relieve the management team of their duties in relation to the first team was a strategic decision to achieve this objective. The timing of this decision was to allow maximum preparation time for a vital upcoming championship match with their United. Ian, Allen and Neil deserve a huge and sincere thank you from all party Thistle Football Club for their leadership over the past three and a half years including winning the League One title. They have operated in challenging circumstances, most notably during the pandemic, and then as we transition to fan ownership. But there can be no doubt that they have left the men's team in a much stronger position than when appointed in September 2019. Our squad remains strong. Our season's objectives remain unchanged. With more than a third of the season to go, the squad have already demonstrated they are capable of a strong one of form, as evidenced at the start of the season, where we sat atop of the championship standings after the 10th round of games. Chris Doolan and Paul McDonald have been asked to step up on short notice from our academy to look after the first team matters on an interim basis. We would ask that all players, staff and supporters give them their united backing throughout this time. The board of directors are also aware of recent speculation regarding the financial situation at the club. Having reviewed the club's finances following the recent change of control, it has become clear that the club faced significant challenges in delivering its budget for this season. A plan has been developed to ensure budgets are brought in line and actions will be taken on an ongoing basis to ensure this remains the case. In addition, there are several live discussions regarding bringing additional investment into the club to support this process and to contribute to our plans for next season. We will provide updates on progress as and when appropriate. Finally, the support the team received at Ibrox yesterday was simply outstanding and we would like to thank all of the fans for their tremendous backing, noise and colour. Guys, I will ask you for your thoughts on that statement and the, the decision to sack Ian McCall in a minute. I'm going to start off by reading out some listener correspondence. We had a lot about the decision to sack Ian McCall. Darren Wiseman said he should have went after last week's game, but thought he earned his job to the end of the season after today. Timing is a bit strange. Uh, Ian Jaggy, 1971, he said, correct decision regardless of whatever is going on in the background. Recent performances have been woeful, no fight or desire. Stephen McClay says, I welcome it. We're miles off the pace in the promotion race. Andy Todd says it's the absolutely the right thing to do. Today was irrelevant. Well done to the board. Gary John has said, strange timing, but absolutely correct decision for me. 
Len Hoover, decision clearly seems to have been made in advance with this being awkward timing. I like McCall, but things got stale and three managers couldn't figure it out. But it opens up more questions about who's made the decision and whether there's more to it. Rod said it should have happened weeks ago. He conceded the league with 13 games left, though he did think that today's performance might have bought him some more time. Rob McNeil says, makes sense to me, gives the new manager and coaching staff time and a full window in the summer. Waiting with a manager where 70% of the supporters wanted him out by the end of the season makes no sense. Not sure why everyone is surprised. Robbie Boy said he's confused. He's sitting happy enough with the performance, but well, he's eating away at Sunday night profiteroles. And then he's seen the news. He's talking about putting a damper on things. Um, Tom Hosey, he said the timing is awful. Not what he expects from a board more in tune with the fans' wishes. Stuart Watt, he says after losing to Hamilton, maybe he could have gone. After losing to Cove, maybe he should have gone. Today, it seems odd. Ross Alexander, he says it's awful timing. A buzz around the club after today. Um, means he thought they should have given, been given to the end of the season. He feels like we might have shot ourselves in the foot. And Ron Dickinson, he says it's a questionable decision. Two genuine Jags men gone. The timing is horrific, or at least bizarre. Best Jags fans have felt about themselves in club for ages and before we had the chance to enjoy it. He would love to see Dylan get a real chance, but his CV is way too light. And lastly, Darren, he said what a bizarre way to do it. Stood up against Rangers, but not many would have been disappointed after Cove. So... Uh, a very word-heavy start to the show. Lots to digest. We will go on to the Rangers game eventually, but we'll just start, obviously, with a, a I imagine, quite long discussion about what's happened in the last 24 hours regarding Ian McCall. Rhys, what do you make of it? My initial thoughts when, I, when it popped up on my phone, I was almost a wee bit shocked. And, and like a lot of the people have just said there, last week, I, I thought that's when I, I, I finally conceded, like, right, McCall, it should go now. That's two bad, bad results in a row. And that was the time for him to go. And I thought yesterday, you don't go to Ibrooks without coming away with a result and have a better performance than that. I thought we were brilliant to a man, an outstanding performance. And we were unlucky not to get anything from the game. That being said, it is the right decision because, like we've said, he, he did seem to have hit his ceiling and a change was inevitable. And I, and I quite like what someone said and uh, when you're reading out the comments there, that there's no point in keeping him in place when you know that he's going to go. But more than anything, I do think it's a gamble. It's a huge gamble because McCall is a steady manager. You know what you're getting with McCall. You're getting there or thereabouts and you're pretty much guaranteed a playoff spot. Now with Dylan, the ideal scenario with Dylan coming in is that he hits the ground running and he goes on an Archie-esque run from the 2012-13 season and, and takes us up the league. But his CV is very, very light. But all good managers have to start somewhere and this could be the chance. And I remember listening to... The Dylan, the Dylan interview way back on one of the earlier podcasts and he was saying, oh, that's the dream to be part of Fissile Manager. And I remember listening to that at the time and thinking, I'm sorry, Dylan's back. I can never see you being the gaffer. It doesn't strike me. Dylan doesn't strike me as a manager. But I thought he'd always be a good coach. But I'm, I, I cannot believe within a matter of months, less than a year since that podcast, that he is now a manager. It's actually mental to think about. But I, I, that's the ideal scenario. Like I say, I hope that Dylan hits the ground running. I hope he, he leads us to glory. But it's a massive gamble for me. Um, but we need to back him now. But regarding the whole the statements and stuff that's came out today, it, is, it doesn't make for a good reading. It's quite worrying. Our finances aren't great. And I know we'll come on to talk about the, the options that are available. But these options that are available, it's guys who have left clubs who will be paying them a fair bit. And they're not going to come to Fissel for for a wee holiday, for, for for free, do you know what I mean? These guys cost decent money and 
by going by that statement, we don't have that to offer. So it could be another case of jobs for the boys till the end of the season, but we'll need to wait and see. Jamie, your thoughts? I was very surprised to see it happen yesterday. Like we said in last week's pod, I think he could have easily gone after that Cove game because back-to-back defeats at home to Hamilton and Cove without scoring was, you know, that was two shocking results. And this season's been incredibly soft start since we hit that bad run. We picked up a bit, and then we're falling away again. So, yeah, we had said we'd hurt our ceiling. So I think we'd said, including me, that I think it was probably time for McCall to go. I didn't think it happened till the end of the season, to be honest. I thought they'd just kind of write the season out maybe get playoffs but likely fail on that and then McCall would leave at the end of the season but it happened yesterday it does seem very odd timing after the performance yesterday it just does seem a bit strange very sudden I don't think anyone saw that coming when it comes to the statements it's already been mentioned that finances part of it is not a good read it's pretty concerning seeing that especially that I feel that under the previous boards before it was kind of painted as if the finances were doing well. I think there was that statement that was released about profit getting made or something like that. I can't remember. There's been so many statements that I can't actually remember. But I think so the statement, was, Jamie, was about the, the value of the assets and how much how much they were worth. But yeah, you're right. Even so, I think the previous board have painted that we've been in a good financial situation a couple of times and doesn't seem to be the case. And like we said, if we're going to be bringing in another manager, that's going to be costly. So I was saying off air to you guys, I think that what they really want to happen, secretly probably, is that Dylan starts well. If he gets three games, say that he at least wins two of them, then they'll just give it to him for the rest of the season. And I don't know. I really don't know what we can afford manager-wise right now. And yeah, it's kind of concerning times. And yes, yeah, it's just been a it's just been a wild last 48 hours or more. So thinking earlier today, if part of the reason that we've sacked him now is because imagine we kept him for the air game, and I don't know, air we lost that one. And we had to sack him after getting beaten off the team that we paid compensation to to get McCall, who he also took their assistant manager and their team captain, and then they were the one that got him sacked. I part of it. That, I that's a that good point. Aesthetically, part of the decision. I mean, yeah, that, imagine, that imagine Twitter that night if Air Air were the ones that got McCall sacked. Never get the end of it. And then you go, well, okay, well, what's the next game after? Ah, yes, it's Dick Campbell's Arbroath, uh, a famously neutral team uh, manager that no Patrick Fissel fan has any opinion on whatsoever. So, yeah, it's it, it just felt like if you weren't sacking him now, he's just going to look awful the next two weeks, so might as well do it now. Well, Caldwell lost his job after Arbroath, so there's, there's precedent for that. But, uh, yeah, I think definitely that they maybe had a quarter of an eye on the, on the air game. Heather, do I do wonder, I was going to say, I was going to say, um, you know, obviously the hat twirl and that being, I really do think that is like the iconic memory of the Ian McCall era. What is Doolin's going to be? You know, because he's not a hat twirl kind of guy. Obviously his celebration was, you know, like the, the one finger point, but, you know, are we all going to do that solemnly? Like after we win? In games, I mean, if we're going to win games, I mean, that's me being very optimistic. But yeah, I I do wonder what his his a uh, new f- you know flair tactic will be. I hope I'm he wears that. He's got a oh no, you go, Matt. I was going to say, I hope he wears that like an undershirt. At, Mate, that's exactly what with, I was like, going to say. One and counting <laughs> after one win, two and counting, three and counting, every single win. He's got yeah, that's exactly that's literally what I was just about to say. <laughs> I love that idea. <laughs> 
Um, I think that, who... I love the idea of us doing the the hat twiddle sort of gimmick with the finger. So just him suddenly pointing us and all of us going, ooh, as he points it really saw his one finger. Heather, what about you? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I was so shocked by the decision yesterday. Um, I was in the months and thought someone was trying to wind me up. Um, I was really shocked by the timing. I think, I mean, we were all still... And I know I will talk about the Rangers game later, but we were sitting there just quite gobsmacked at everything that happened in that game. And it did seem like a really strange thing. Like I I thought if the club were going to be tweeting anything, it would have been a photo of the away fans, just pure admiration because we were class yesterday and um, and everyone was absolutely fantastic. And I thought it would just be a simple something like that and not, and not the statement that we got. I mean, I couldn't love Chris Doolin more I think he is the um you know I think I'm just we're lucky to be in a generation that has grown up watching a player like Chris Doolin you know people say don't meet your heroes but meeting Chris Doolin a few times is probably even one of the best things in being a part of this little fan that he's absolutely fantastic and you just you look at what happened what's happened to Stevie Hamill at Motherwell and that absolutely superb reputation that he has there at Motherwell and how it's you know for for at least for the time being that will be in some way tainted and I just really hope that Duels finds the luck and just you know and has success with this team I I think there's there's no doubt I mean Crystalline doesn't do anything without his full heart and his um and his head too you know he's a He's a he's a solid thinker, and I do agree with what Reese said. Like he maybe doesn't come across as in the kind of same way as some other managers with the whole animated manager, but I think he will, you know, he'll be a heart and fire, head in the fridge kind of guy. And I look forward to what a party this little under Chris Dillon looks like. I just think we have to be supportive of it and just go forward. I mean, at least it's not like a random name, you know. I think it's someone that we can trust. I've no idea who on earth will be coming and it will be, I think it's just going to be a tricky time for all of us for the next little while just with, with that. I do think that if Jules does well, that, that he can and he will take on for a bit longer, but I don't know if he is a long-term solution. I also don't know if being such a legend at the club, if you'll want to take on that role. I, I always thought we kind of think that he maybe would do, you know, the punditry on sports scene and, go around a few places, maybe get like a lower league team before coming becoming our manager. I didn't see it like this, but um but yeah, I think I think there's going to be um you know, I think the 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 club and everything's just gonna really need the fans for the next little while and um and we're gonna have to be, you know, the best thing about this club. Heart and fire on him, the fridge is fantastic. I've not, I've not heard that one before. I like that a lot. Uh, David, what about you? What are your thoughts on the whole thing? It's been just a bizarre day, to be honest, like in, like, in the 24 hours. Of, it was really hard to um, sort of understand, to be honest, at the time, because I think it's the, possibly the worst timing you ever could have had to sack him. Like, the, the, the performance is one of the best performances we've had. And in hindsight, watching it, you can just clearly see that they're shaking things up a bit. And it's it's kind of like, well, you know, there's all the things. The things came out, I think, is the article on the record. I didn't see the whole thing, but um, talking about how, you know, they made the decision on Tuesday. Did McCall already know that sort of stuff? 
I just I just don't really understand the logic, like the motivation behind it. I mean, in terms of doing it yesterday, I under, obviously understand it, McCall. We all said it last week. That was very much the you know the moment where we were all kind of like, it's been great, but time to move on, sort of thing. And but I think we'd all kind of universally acknowledge it's it's going to be to the end of the season, and then we'll look at it in the summer. And then, like the the, the statement out today, talking about giving um, enough time to sort of prepare for the the air game on Saturday. Why, why why do it now? Why not do it last week? Was this sort of? I mean, McCall's always talked about like sort of his biggest regret with Fussell was not beating Rangers in the Damon Gray game, and not not getting through in the Scottish Cup. Was it very much a gold watch painting of a Spitfire? Here's your day out at Ibrox. You know, if you beat if you beat Rangers, you'll be an absolute legend. You can bow out your head held high. If not, oh well. You know. I I honestly think they expected us to get a hiding tomorrow uh, yesterday. And thought, well, if we do it then after the sort of like seven-one, when Rangers have absolutely just put so many goals past us that you can kind of go, yep, we'll sack them. And then we turned out and had one of our best performances in a long, long time. And then to to make that statement is just really bizarre. I don't I don't really understand it myself. It was the right decision, but as like, echoing all the correspondents that came in, it's the right decision, but just at the the weirdest possible time. Well, we, we've had a conversation for the last couple of weeks about should McCall go, and I think we all agreed uh, he probably had reached the end of the road, whether it be now or at the end of the season. Heather, I'll just bring you back in because you've not been on the pod in the last couple of weeks. Do you think it was the right decision to, to let McCall go? Did you do you think he could have taken us further? I think, like David just said there, I had assumed that at the end of the season that we would be looking at changing and or just having like a kind of general conversation about how have things improved and can we go any further with Ian McCall I think the last two games you know the Cove and the Hamilton game were a real nail in the coffin I mean going back to I mean I wasn't at the Cove away game like the 1-1 game when Jamie Snedden you know obviously Jamie Snedden got all the praise there and I mean rightly so but I mean, before that goal goes in, I mean, the way that I've heard it, you know, it was quite nasty down there and people were, you know, not happy with what was happening with McCall, like not happy with McCall. And I do think that, you know, you guys have mentioned it quite a lot on the podcast over the last little while. This is not new news that he was in some way, you know, under threat or people were not happy with the job he was doing it's just the timing but I do I I assumed that it would be you know the the last dance kind of vibe and they'd he'd get it and and then it would be a, a kind of farewell a farewell summer to Ian McCall but I I have to say I did vote in that poll I don't I'm not sure I think I really struggle like I'm such a I'm such a positive person just the way I've been brought up and the way that I try and I look, like, look at the world. So I would like I hate voting on those kind of things and, and discrediting someone because obviously like, you can see that like, Emacall loves this club and and has done a lot. I mean, the club has changed so much since he since he came in. So I'd never want to, you know, vote for someone to lose their job. But I do think it was it was inevitable. Rich Jorkman. Uh, just touching on um, what Heather's saying there as well, I, I completely understand where you're coming from. I feel like I'm that way as well when it comes to Fissel. I'm like, 
I'm like a hoarder with this, so I hate to see, like, even when Tunji left just there, I was like, ah, I'm sad to see him go, because I always think of the good times, like, even just with McCall there, I just think, like, he was a good manager, and he, and he done us good, he came in at a time, saved us from the bad, the bad, bad spell that we were in, but it was ultimately his time, but I just wanted to, to think back to last week, do you remember I just made a throwaway comment, and I was like, See if we go to Ibrox and there's an absolute horror show, do you think there's any chance that that game can have a bearing on McCall's job? They was like, nope, absolutely not. We could get scudded 14 now. It wouldn't matter a jot. And then we go and actually put in a brilliant performance, albeit we didn't get anything from the game, but as good as you can get in losing, we all said, how can we come away proud after that game? Would it be like 2-0, 3-0, putting up a fight? We actually went there, challenged them, got a couple of goals, ultimately lost with an OG. And he still got sacked. So you, you've got to think the decision was made well beyond beyond Saturday's events, Sunday's events. Sorry. Yeah, I know you've talk, talked a lot about the timing, David, and I know a lot of a lot of fans have said it was weird timing, and it was. I, I would say it was like shocking timing in terms of everyone was surprised because everyone was in such a, I'd say a positive mood. I know we lost the game, but from from midday in the record factory, it was a great day. Walking to Ibrox, two and a half thousand Thistle fans there singing for for two hours match with the performance in the field. You know, it was a positive day for Thistle, result aside. I think McCall didn't go before the Rangers game because they probably knew they were going to act Doolin and McDonald and they didn't want to chuck them into Ibrox. There was also probably another bit of it that they wanted like Ian McCall to have another shot at Rangers after 2008. So giving Ian McCall that game and then letting him go is fair enough. I'd say they could have just given it 24 hours and announced it tonight, just giving the fans their day, really. Let them digest the day it was a crazy game at Ibrox and then if they announced it tonight it probably wouldn't have seemed as out of the blue but as we've mentioned on in the last couple of weeks I think McCall's time has sort of come to an end and I'm glad it didn't get too nasty at the end I know there's been some booing it for how but I'm glad it, it wasn't like a, a hounding out the door it, it, it can leave with his head held high I know we're going to talk about how his ear is going to be remembered but I'm glad like the statements at least have been have been positive, they've thanked them, they've noted that we're in a much better position now than we were in 2019 when McCall came in, so I think the right decision has been made. So we will go just we'll go straight into that then. Jamie, I'll come to you. How will the Ian McCall era be remembered this second, the second tenure of Ian McCall? I think mainly positively. Like we've said, he kind of he came in, he were in a better position than what he found us in. You know, he didn't have to come back when he did because I'm pretty sure we were bottom of the league in air. We were either top or second at that point. He's doing well there. So he came back because obviously he does care about the club. And there was a real toxic atmosphere. I know I've mentioned this on Twitter and I think I maybe mentioned it briefly in the last pod, but there was a real toxic atmosphere around the club when McCall arrived, you know, stemming all the way back from the Premiership relegation. And, you know, he really did remove that. Him, Archie and Scali, all three of them have come in and, and he really did remove that and bring in the right characters around the place like, you know, Graham and Holt, Doherty, flair players like Tiffany, Milton, really enjoyable players to watch and some great memories. The League One won some very high scoring wins, 6-1 Hamilton, 5-1 Inverness, games like that. And yeah, there has been enjoyable times, obviously. People will remember as well with any manager, you probably do remember the low points at the points as well, like this season is just kind of it's kind of petered out a bit and doesn't really look like we're going to get much from this season on, if we'd stayed under McCall. Kind of fourth, maybe third at best. That'd probably be it. But I don't think it's ended in like a horrific way. I think maybe if he had stayed, we'd continue in a downward spiral. Could be remembered a lot differently. Say 
obviously there's no guarantee it's going to happen but say we kept on a really bad run ended up falling to like sixth seventh that would be a really really bad way to end it and I don't think he's remembered anywhere near as positively as it is now and it probably was the right time despite the actual timing of the sacking being weird it probably was the right time but I think in a, in a, on a whole is largely positive memories of him you know he's a, he's a league winner manager so it doesn't come around all the time. David do you agree largely positive? Yeah, I I, I do. I, again, I think we'll we'll remember the sort of the turnaround in the club from when he came to when he left. I mean, realistically, we we had hit a ceiling, but the ceiling is far better, absolutely what we wanted to achieve when he came. And you know, during Caldwell, Caldwell never hit those heights either. We are in a better state than we were when we met them, and he's talked about the sort of bringing a bit of passion and the right sort of player to the club and stuff like that which he, he definitely has and I think yeah I, I do think he will, it will be a sort of good legacy um, it is obviously a bit raw at the moment but when we've had time to kind of digest it with a bit of distance I think definitely people are looking at it a bit more positively as a whole and as you said it, it wasn't completely toxic it wasn't real real nasty it wasn't like Caldwell or even Archie when he left like um it was it, it was it wasn't anywhere near that bad and yeah I think that, that's probably a really good thing and the interesting you mentioned about obviously Dylan not getting to you know not, not giving Dylan Ibrits because you remember McCall's first game was against Celtic at Celtic Park when he came back and we got an absolute doing, you know, you, you give him a shot at Rangers and then let Dylan in. But as you say, I think if they'd done it tonight, you know, after the Darvel game or something like that, or, or during the Darvel game or something like that, and again, we could have had our day, had our night, you know, it would have been great. But it's just such weird timing to have it. such a, such positivity around the club for the day. Everyone absolutely had the, the best day. And, um, yeah, it was just, yeah, it was just, it was just odd. Uh, a, a couple of questions I'm going to ask next. I think this is where it gets interesting. I've been trying to hold off this conversation in in recent weeks because I, I don't think it's right. You talk about it while there's still a guy in. But who do you want in next? And then who do you think will get next? This will maybe be influenced a little bit by the the financial comments today. So, Reese, I'll start this one with you. Who do you want next? And who do you think will get next? Well. Um, the thing that I always maintained about McCall was McCall was a proper old school gaffer and he's like a dying breed and I know um, this is not me suggesting him for a, a job for her or anything but he's similar to like Yogi Hughes and I know there'll be people squirming at the sound of that name but like those type of managers are dying out now and it's the, the game's a lot more tactical and that's just where I feel like McCall McCall's ultimately met his fate so I feel like the next step for us this, this appointment needs to be bang on. It needs to be a perfect appointment because, as I say, it's a gamble and it can go one or two ways. Who, who I'd want, and I know it's very controversial um, just among Thistle fans and fans of Scottish football in general, but personally, I would like Neil Lennon. I know he's, he's good mates with Duncan Smiley um, on the board. I know he's, his son plays with the club and stuff, and he, we've obviously seen him a few games this season, obviously watching his son. He would be my first choice, now, I know finances dictate a lot here. I know he can't really, well, there's rumours, I don't know if he's came out and said this personally, but he can't take a job in the UK because um, of his club at Ammonia and he's still getting paid off and to do with tax and stuff. 
he'd be on a good wage as well. He's got great contacts in the game and I do think that would be a brilliant appointment. He's won umpteen Scottish premierships and titles in, in this country. You don't get a, you don't get a better manager than that come up often. Um, other options I'd look at, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, Jim Goodwin. It's, it is very raw with the situation with him at the moment. And even the likes of Tam Courts, his Dundee United side weren't great, but I think they're not getting him to finish fourth. I know it was like the lowest scoring side in the Premier, the lowest points tally or whatever it's ever been. It was boring, but it was effective. So these are these are options that are out there. There's options that I'd stay clear of as well, like Jack Ross. But I just I think I think he's an, an overrated manager. But what do I know? That's just my opinion. Now, but who do I think will get it? I, I genuinely can not tell you after that statement today. I, I would I would have thought I would have thought that one of those would probably get it because the Motherwell job's up, and I think the same people that will apply for the Motherwell job, if they don't get the Motherwell job, they would take the Thistle job. Um. And some of them would maybe even take the Thistle job over the Motherwell job and view the Thistle job as a bit of a project because, like you mentioned before, Matt, we do have a good squad at the end of the day. The squad of players we've got, there's an abundance of talent there. And if you could go in, build up a rapport with these players, get them a contract extension, even if you were already announced and just if something could be agreed that Doolan will take us on to the end of the season and a new manager will come in in June, but they announce it first so he can get an overview and just come in and watch the games, I think that could be a shout. I don't really know who we're going to go for in terms of the finances. I don't know the finances. More will probably come in the coming days and weeks. But if there's not someone lined up now, then I can just see it being Dylan for the end of the season. Jamie, what about you? Uh, I've got a feeling it'll probably just be Dylan till the end of the season. Like it's already been mentioned, there's been nothing in the statements so far about the club or looking to replace them immediately, whatever. There's been absolutely nothing mentioned. Doesn't mean that there won't be in the coming days, but I really do think that Dylan might get it, especially if he picks up a result against there and then either in the Morton or uh, Dundee games. I think they there's a high chance he might get it to the end of the season. If some, actually, you know, honestly, uh, the options out there, I don't know who I'd want us to get. Neil Lennon could be a very divisive but potentially interesting appointment if he was made. Whether that's realistic or not, I really don't know. For me, I think it's too early to get Goodwin. I know he's been mentioned by quite a few people actually on like Twitter and stuff, but I think it's very fresh off the back of how bad it went at Aberdeen for him. If he was to come in, I'd obviously support him if he was the new manager, but I just think it's a bit fresh right now. And Tam Courts could be an interesting one, but I honestly, I, I really don't know. I really don't know who I'd, I'd want in, if I'm honest. But I think he'll probably just be doing to the end of the season, especially if our finances aren't good. Hey there, what about you? Well, I feel like this Darvel manager has been taking any opportunity to be on the media and everything. I mean, the fact that he was on sports scene last night is 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 so funny. So you know what? I wouldn't even be surprised. Someone like what's his name? Like Mike Kennedy or Mick Kennedy, some of that. Um, I generally have no idea. I, I I'm agreement with recent Jamie. I think Dylan's got this till the end of the season, and then I I think I did the statement say there's going to be a, a review of um of things to and um and I just think until then it's very hard to say. I mean I think for me I just would like a tactician, someone who has a style of play because I mean the classic thing on here like what is McCall ball like you know I think it would be really exciting just to have something a little bit different but um I have no idea what that is and um and I think for now we just have to believe in in Chris Dillon. 
that Darvel manager, Heather, like, I'm not taking it away from it of what he's like achieved with Darvel, but some of his comments, he's so David Brent. Just from that point of view, like similar to Neil Lennon, see if we're not going to appoint a good manager, appoint a funny manager, appoint someone that we'll have something to talk about every week. Imagine we got like, imagine we got Cy Ferry and Paul Slane from Open Goal <laughs> and uh, and had the, you know, like the documentary series. That that would be that that would be iconic to be fair, but also I mean Paul Slane could even get a start for us, and then to be our assistant manager would be something else. Anyway, David, what about you? I'm not gonna lie, I'm I'm liking the the idea of grasping the thistle to electric boogaloo with open gold broom hills, lads. And um, that would be very funny. I agree with you, Matt. If we're not gonna get some brilliant technician, just get somebody really funny because there'll be some laugh. I really don't know who we'll go for. Uh, you see all the names bandied about, your Goodwins, your Courts, your Lennons and all that. But realistically, our, we, A, we, we are skin by the statement we are skin, And B, wh- were these managers ever contention for us before? Like, you know, like when McCall was announced or Caldwell, were we attracting this sort of level of, of manager before? I don't know, but I agree there is there is a good project there. I think for an ambitious young manager, as we said, you know, a lot of the quote-unquote dinosaurs are, are kind of leaving the game and it's our younger, more tactically astute managers that are coming through and trying to make a name for themselves. And they like us to be basically a club for someone to prove a point at. Now, the last time we went for something a bit out of the box, not your, your typical football man, we ended up with Gary Caldwell. So, um I really don't know who we're going to get. Um, I think it will be Dylan until the end of the season. You would just absolutely love it to for, for Dylan to go on a wee medical run and do something. Because I honestly think there is something there with this team, especially after yesterday's um, performance, where if you if you can just make them hard to beat and stuff, it, it can happen. Sadly, though, my controversial hot take um, of Ian Caffro is not working out seeing as he's picking up stupid money in Saudi Arabia so there's no chance he's going to be uh, leaving Riyadh to come over to Mary Hill so I'm not sure but uh, again as someone really good or someone really funny no one in between Reese, do I come back in? Just, I was having a think there if there's anyone out there that I've, I've forgot to mention and I can almost guarantee you somebody's put an application in already by the name of Kevin Thompson. Guys applied for every job in Scottish football and I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if we gave him the gig. Just come back on on the McCall thing and the, the managerial situation. I th- I think the board have 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 weighed up Ian McCall's experience versus the feel good factor that Chris Doolan will create. In terms of who I think we'll get next, I agree. I think it probably will be Doolan to the end of the season. And judging by the sort of financial comments again, I, I think if Doolan does half decent and gets us into the playoffs and we pick up a little bit, I think there's a, a very fair chance he'll get it. We've spoken about Brian Graham as well. I think there's a fair chance he'll be involved in the summer when it comes to a sort of reassessment. And I think the board have just made that decision that if it could have turned nasty under McCall, but creating a bit of feel-good factor with the fans off the back of, of yesterday at Ibrox under Chris Doolan, that could be more effective than, than keeping Ian McCall. In terms of who you want next... I think about the Ian McCall era and the, the sort of comments that I've seen that Ian McCall was the right man for the job in 2019 and he's just not the right man for the job now. I think about that again and I think, what is the job? The job is promotion. So I, th- 
I'm sort of looking at managers who have, who have won league titles, who play attacking football, who are good when they're managing a team who are favourites in most games. That's where I think Kevin Thompson comes into at least, because I think he's, he's obviously managed Kelty, who were the, the overwhelming fa- favourites to get promotion when, when he was there, and he, he achieved that. You also think of Neil Lennon, I know that would be divisive, but it mainly would be very funny, but you know he's managed Celtic to a lot of titles. There's never going to be a, a manager who's perfect that we appoint. And then I think of who I, who I don't want, and I think Jim Goodwin, because I think of the teams Jim Goodwin's managed and done well at, Alloa and St Mirren, and he was never expected to go out and win a lot of games. Like he kept Alloa in the Championship, he kept St Mirren in the Premiership, and I think he I think he achieved a top six finish at St Mirren, but he was never going out and winning half his games at either of those clubs. And then he goes to Aberdeen, where you are expected to to come third really and win most of your games, and he couldn't do that. So is Jim Goodwin the man for a promotion charge? Probably not for me, and that's what it comes back to. I'd probably want a guy, and I think it's hard to name names, but I'd want a guy who's got experience of of winning league titles and managing teams who have been expected to win most of their games. I think that's the criteria I'd been looking for. I think it's about recognising the situation we're in, which is going for promotion and getting somebody in who's in a dream scenario where we can afford it, getting somebody in who can do that. We also received some audio correspondence from some fans who left us voicemails on the Draw Lose or Draw Hotline. The number you have reached has been disconnected. Really, really unacceptable. 
losing two games at home against Cove and Hamilton with zero goals scored just blew it unacceptable um, so I think all in all it's a great decision to uh, the manager can go but in terms of the timing of the announcement it's absolutely bewildering to be honest and um, just after that performance at Ibrox which was night and day to the last couple of performances at home uh, everybody was upbeat although we, although we lost it was
his teams tend to do well and then he fucking does something stupid, do you know what I mean? But um, it's something I wouldn't be adverse to put it that way. Um, I know I've taken up a lot of your time on the voicemails, man. Um, it's in my head. I'm, I, I, I'm just I'm so taken aback by the, by the news, to be honest with you. But um, thanks very much for the opportunity. Um, Cheers. Before we move on, just a last word on Ian McCall. I thought I would flag this. This tweet up from Jags for Good. He just said, after the news yesterday, we wanted to place on record our thanks to Ian McCall, Alan Archibald and Neil Scally for their support for our work. All three have given us their time and money at various points since we launched last year and we'll always be hugely grateful. So I think as much as it's turned sour in the last three months, McCall and Archibald and Scally will be missed. They've, they've done a lot of good, not just for the club, but in the, the community as well. So I think as a, as a support, we will be thankful looking back on the McCall era. Do you want to, do you want to come in before we go to the Rangers game, Reese and Heather? Uh, just going to say, Ian, if you're listening, you're still allowed to wear your fistful tracking on Byers Road. <laughs> absolutely is. <laughs> Heather? I'm just going to read out. I just got a text from someone. It's quite. I find it quite funny. Uh, you know how we made such a big deal when we announced them about the trio, and you yeah. know, like the the trio, the trios coming, etc. Well, someone just texted me and said, uh, "Is the next? I can Is the next uh, thing the tr- the Holloway trio? I.e., myself, my brother, and my dad. So, I mean, you never know. If I have to leave this pod for for a call, you know why? Will you do it for free? I think that's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see about that. Right, we'll we'll have we've had a good forty five minutes on that. I don't think we've ever spent forty five minutes before we get to the the starting eleven of the weekend's game, which is what we usually start with. So we'll, we'll look back on the Rangers game now. Um, the team was announced yesterday, and it was a, it was a five three two. Aaron Muirhead, Scott Tiffany, and Brian Graham came in for Lawless, Fitzpatrick, and Mullen. Muirhead went in their back three with McAvoy and Holt, and it was a, a front two of Tiffany and Graham. Heather, I'll start with you. Were you happy with that team when you saw it? Yeah, definitely. It was great to. I I thought it was great to see Graham uh, up front. And while I was slightly interested about the back three, I mean, on hindsight, it was a really. You know, I thought McCall got it spot on with um with what happened in the first half. But no, I was really, I was really happy. I mean, also to see Tiffany playing. You just knew that in, in in a game playing against Rangers, it was a game that we really really needed him, and it just was a. A big relief to see that he was going to be starting up top. We just felt like it was some, you know, someone that would manage to find, uh, you know, a moment out of nothing. And you no, know, I was really happy. Um, and it it did look, and also I also thought seeing that the bench was, you know, um, was full and that we had options coming off at the bench, and you know, the fact that we were able to bring on someone like Anton Dides, I do think was a real, a real big push. And um, yeah, no, I was, I was really, I was like, I was quite, I was excited. I mean, I say this, I said to you after I read the team, you asked me what the score prediction was, Matt, and what did I say? Seven one. Seven one. <laughs> so, um, so obviously, I wasn't feeling that optimistic, but no, it was, it was good. <laughs> Oh, my my one nil Kevin Holt prediction was alive for a while. I was buzzing about that, but sadly not to be. Um, Reese, what did you think of the performance overall? And you can have a word on the the team as well. 
Yeah, so the team was exactly as I expected. I thought that um, I thought we'd have went with a back five. Like I said, I thought we'd have tried it out last week if we got the opportunity. Sadly, didn't have the chance against Cove. Um, so no surprises with that. Uh, and to be honest, the team that took the field, the only one I, I ever seem to have a doubt with is Lee Hodson. But it proved me wrong. I thought Lee Hodson was outstanding yesterday. I thought the whole team done us proud. I thought the midfield, I thought Turner was exceptional. And I thought Conor McEvoy was absolute caviar. He was brilliant. And I know last week against Cove, I was a wee bit iffy. I thought he had good moments and bad moments. But I thought for the full game yesterday, it was outstanding. And it's just... It's just a, a shame, really, that the the goal that sent us out of the cup ended up being a an own goal, um, and it's just really unfortunate. There's nothing he could have done about that, really, um, and it's not one of them. You don't you don't blame him for that. But uh, I, I thought I thought the way we approached the game was brilliant, and it's it's it was just refreshing to see us stay in the game. Because I, I said to like I said to people in the record factory before, I was like, if we can stay in it for 20 minutes, then you just you just break it down into wee increments of 10 minutes. And the more the game was going on, I was like. They've not had a shot here. We had a couple of good chances. Tiff, uh, sorry, Turner had that free kick and then the ball fell to Tiff in the box and it's point blank range. He's, he's rattled it at McGregor. So we had the, the, the good chances in the first half and then ultimately the penalty. What a crazy feeling that is to have VR involved and getting a penalty at Ibrox. It's just mental. Just the, the game in general. I couldn't believe what we were seeing. The, they getting a, a, a very soft penalty that looked like it was ultimately outside the box and Snedden saving a penalty at that moment in time I was like this is parkied all over again you remember Cherny's save on the night that Aziz got the goal that was all I could think about at that point and then for that the, the Tillman goal to happen and then the, the Tiffany getting the, the easiest goal bonus he'll ever get in his life happening as well like I put up a tweet last night I can't believe we've seen a keeper score and been gifted a goal like a free run on goal I've only ever seen that happen once on telly in my life that Aston Villa league game in the championship a few years ago that's just mental that these things have happened this season and and do you know what? I left that game that's one of the only times I've ever left a game with Fissel being beaten in a cup competition as well with a late goal and I genuinely wasn't annoyed I was I was so proud of everyone involved with the club as you guys have mentioned from the record factory the march to the stadium the, the, the near 3,000 Fissel fans in the stadium singing from minute one till half past six whenever we got let out of the stadium was just excellent and it ended up, it, it was kind of a nice way for McCall to go. I know, I've seen, I've seen things in the papers saying shock McCall sacking after Cup Heroics, and it's not Heroics, we got beat at the end of the day. It was a, a valiant effort, but aye, it was, I can't fault any single player in our team. I'm really happy with it, and as I said last week, we went into the Aberdeen game full of confidence and ended up got scudding, and it, it had an adverse effect on us, whereas this game, we were pretty low in confidence. We went in. And we can take a lot. We can take a lot of positives from that game going into the rest of the campaign. Hopefully, Dylan can galvanise us and get get us on the right track and start with three points next week. But I, I was happy with the performance all in. Just a word about what you were saying about you've seen a goalie score and you've seen you've seen a, a goal get walked into the net. I think it was Ray Bradshaw that tweeted, "Why didn't we let Snedden walk in for the second goal of the season?" I think that would have been the only thing that could have made yesterday's game any wilder. I was really worried for a second. See when Tiffany went up to McGregor and then he starts doing the step overs trying to take it around him. I thought McGregor was going to kick it off him for a goal <laughs> kick or something. And I'm like, see if we don't score when we're gifted a chance, Rangers aren't going to go, all right, have another one. Because they gave us a, out for that moment. I was like, this is the most fissile thing ever to be given a free goal and to fuck it, mate. But thankfully, we, we've done the job at the end from the yard. <laughs> well, Heather, what about you? What was your take on the game? I actually couldn't believe it. I mean, the first half, the fact that um, 
you know, where, you know, the ball's in the middle of play and suddenly the whole game stops for a VAR check that not like no one was really calling for. I mean, and obviously from our faraway position. And um, I never thought I'd be in a, in a crowd, at, especially at Ibrox, being next to people shouting, we love VAR, we love VAR. Like, it's it was actually, it was it was a moment to behold. Um, I, I totally agree with everything that Reese said. I thought Conor McAvoy, Lee Hodgson, I thought these these boys pulled up their socks and gave everything. I, I know we were all very worried about the fact that it was going to be a doing and it was going to be, you know, five, seven, whatever nil. And it, it just made me so proud to be a Thistle fan. And, um, you know what, it was absolutely brilliant to see Cantwell get absolutely done by quite a lot of our team. He just didn't know how to play against a championship team or a, a Scot. He just looked like he wasn't used to Scottish football yet at all, and it really, sh- it just really showed. And and what a cool moment for these, you know, our our players to think about. You know, that's a, a player that they've watched on Sky and Match of the Day and whatever, and you know they stood up to them. I thought that uh, the defence as well was very was you know it was solid for for so much longer than it ever it feels like it ever has been in the championship. And it was, I think I generally thought it was like, I was a little bit delirious at one point, just with the whole situation with the Tillman thing and what and what was happening. And just the fact that the, their fans were so angry about about them being in remotely sportsmanlike is, it's just, it's just, uh, it's just hilarious to be honest. But um, I really, I've never been to Ibrox and left so proud. Because I mean, I think I was too. Obviously, I was only in primary seven when we were um, Ibrox for 2008. So don't really have like I just remember getting stood on in the face when Damon Gray scored, but I don't really remember what it was like leaving. And you know, yesterday was it was great. And actually, I really enjoyed watching the highlights yesterday, like last night, and seeing just exactly what happened. And you know, we really did. We we limited them to hardly a, like to no chances really in the first half. And Obviously, later on, they started to cut us a bit open. We got we got a bit tired, but we didn't let the floodgates open either. And that was, you know, a, a really proud moment. I did kind of feel like around the, like the 81st minute, I did think like something's happening. You know, I didn't I didn't see us being able to take it to extra time. But just to be in there and for the experience alone, I mean, I, I, I just really, really hope that whatever is happening off the pitch and the decision, etc., that if we can just take a little bit of the momentum, passion, drive that we saw on uh, yesterday, was it would just be fantastic. I also thought Jack McMillan was great. You could tell that he'd played against them before in the Premiership. He just had no fear. And um, but yeah, it was it was a really it was a really a really great moment. David, you're a you're a man that likes all the the unusual and sort of once once in a lifetime things at, at the football. Is that the most incident-packed game you've ever been to? I mean, first of all, obviously, I want to, I want to give a shout-out uh, to Paul Mitchell last week for indulging my childish bullshit. And I was, I'm was i going to think of the most ridiculous game possible for Paul Mitchell to commentate on. And I think if I had to, if I had actually looked into the future and sent him the lines of, this is what's going to happen at, at Ibrox on Sunday, he would have went, nah, mate, that's too far-fetched. Like... He somehow had a more ridiculous game than the one I concocted in my head for us. It was incredible. I mean, Tiffany's goal, I mean, like Maradona against England, Owen against Argentina in 98, Wea against Verona, all of them pale in comparison to the run from Tiffany. An incredible goal. You'll never see the likes of it again. And just seeing Alan McGregor's 
raging, raging face as he basically fought the involuntary spasms of his body trying to keep the ball out was incredibly funny. We were brilliant. I thought the defence were absolutely unreal. Um, And yeah, I said, you know, the Jags fans were so proud to be a Jags fan at that point. And we've, I mean, we've had people on like Ian Bateman and stuff like that before have eulogised the 2008 about all the people there at Ibrox just being defiant, showing themselves as a Thistle fan, you were there, and it was absolutely brilliant. But to get a penalty out of VAR at Ibrox is mental. I mean, like when I was doing the Paul Mitchell thing last week, do you know how many videos of Rangers games I had to watch to try and find any decent audio of people scoring at Ibrox? And the only, and I actually put in the chat. When was the last time they conceded a penalty? And it was it was lawless for Livingston. And it, it wasn't Celtic. That's how far I had to go back. And it's like, well, we got one. You see, given a VAR one that no one was ever claiming. And it was wild. And I just, yeah, it was just an incredible game. But I, I just wanted to, um, funnily enough, on Friday, I was listening to an old episode of the pod because I'm actually very vain like that and like listening to my masterworks. Um but I listened to our Halloween episode from like last year. And you asked me, David, what would you do if we went 1-0 up at Ibrox, right? And apparently I can now tell you what I would do at 1-0 up at Ibrox. What I would do is run down about eight rows of seats and go and grab Welshie and hug him and then look in the face and realise it's not Welshie because he's in a different seat and I've just hugged a random stranger out of nowhere only to find a Welshie is down at the the barrier and running over and grabbing Welshie. So I'd like to apologise to the absolute stranger who I manhandled yesterday and when we went 1-0 up. A a, a surreal day. Again, as we said, to see a walk-in goal and a goalie to score in the same season is just... Unbelievable stuff, and yeah, um, th- this was my Woodstock. I mean, well, actually, no, if we'd won, it'd be my Woodstock. This is like, I don't know, Woodstock 99 or something like that. <laughs> no, I just think about what we said on, on last week's podcast. I think we were talking a little bit about players underperforming in recent weeks and months. And we we're just talking about what would be acceptable. We didn't want it to be a routine win for Rangers. We wanted like a, a performance that put a bit of pride back into the jersey. I think you referenced that recently. I think that's exactly what we got. Every single player, the starting 11, the subs were fully committed. Lots of great performances. Like I agree with you, Heather McMillan was great. Hodgson was good in midfield. I thought Tiffany was a threat throughout. Turner was really good. McAvoy, probably the outstanding player as well. And Jamie Sneddon had a great game as well. And I think it was friend of the show, Ross Alexander, who said it's about time Jamie Sneddon gets like a proper contract and just sort of the established first choice goalkeeper I completely agree he's barely put a foot wrong since he came back into the side in, in the sort of autumn time and it was a, a performance that, that did put the pride back into the jersey from the players and from the fans as well you know from the record factory to the march as you've said Reece, it, it was a great day to be involved and I'm, I'm so glad I went I know a lot of folks say I'm never going back to Ibrox and I think I probably thought that uh, five or six years ago whenever our last visit was you, you, come, you come away from these places you think I'm never going back there I'm I'm so glad I did because been been part of that two and a half thousand yesterday from from midday onwards it was it was a really special day. I just want to say on that obviously as um like a director or uh, on the board um at of the Jazz Foundation, it was just absolutely fantastic yesterday and obviously members non members and everyone there together but just what a feel good factor um there was around the club and that. It was just brilliant to have, you know, everyone under one roof, especially, I mean, like after COVID and things like that, it's just 
is not you know we never really got to celebrate the league one title together really like fully and it just it just felt perfect and it was a really like that the record factory you know from 12 till 3 I have not I've not felt so like just so proud to know a lot of these people and just be a, a very small part in this in this like crazy family but also I just feel like another thing is Jamie said and save I can't believe like it didn't like you know saving of tab penalty that doesn't happen to you know many goalkeepers and um it, the fact that that wasn't even like you know remotely the craziest thing that happened in the game though I also I mean are we going to discuss at some point the fact that like the penalties weren't penalties or are we just going to ignore that I mean there's VAR on it like does anyone have any like hot takes on VAR I mean, I love that our penalty was given. I mean, the, yeah. the, the penalty they gave to us absolutely brilliant. But I mean, the stuff with Vanek, like I, I mean, I've not fully, like, didn't really concentrate fully when I watched it back. But a lot of people saying that the contact that Vanekin made was outside the box, but he fell inside the box. So I'm not really sure. But yeah, I'm sure Jamie's got something to say. I mean, I, I've always hated VAR to be honest. I never wanted it in Scottish football in the first place, but. It's just kind of wild that the first time I've ever seen VAR in person, the first time Fessel have ever had it, was to get, I think the first ever decisions, I think it used before that, was to get a penalty at Ibrox. It's, and then didn't, didn't David say that there hadn't been a penalty, a domestic penalty, because he did it at Ibrox since 2019 or something like that. And uh, it's, it's just kind of wild. It is kind of wild. But um, I don't really think either were super shouts for penalty I mean like the first one it's definitely a handball for our one and we've had soft soft handballs given against us one that comes to mind immediately was last season I mean obviously I know they're completely different games but when Richard Foster got that one given against them against Kilmarnock at home and you know referees do give this sort of thing and then I feel VAR encourages them to give even more contentious ones very minor decisions but the one when Tillman went down, that was outside the box. So, but you know, this is the joke with the twenty-yard box at Ibrox, whatever way Rangers are shooting. So, <laughs> it looks like that kid that was in play again. But it was just such a wild game. So many things happened: saving a penalty, getting a penalty from VAR, that Tillman scoring that goal when we were about to put it down the pitch, walking the ball into the net, the manager getting sacked a couple hours after the game when no one expected it. I mean. It's, that's just you can't, can't make this stuff up man it's just such a wild game but on the actual game itself I thought, I thought we played really well I, w- I was going into it looking forward to the day I was looking forward to being with like all the fans and stuff but wasn't particularly buzzing for the actual game just because of how we played recently but I was very very pleasantly surprised with how good we were yesterday I thought our pressing was immense didn't, didn't see anybody giving up at any point of the game it was I thought we actually our ball retention was good as well. I thought we had more of the ball than I expected. And there's a couple of little moments like Milne getting past a couple of players. There was one point we had the ball down the byline and Brian Graham just his ball retention. We had about two or three ranges players around him and he somehow kept on to it numerous times. It was a very impressive moment. Just little things like that I was very pleased with. And there was brilliant performance to everyone. And I think it's so unlucky that it was McAvoy who scored the own goal because he was brilliant all day. He was great in the air. And yeah, I think I think that was really unlucky. And on the referee in general, actually, I thought the referee was surprisingly decent yesterday. Especially at Ibrox, I always feel, or Celtic Park, you don't really get many decisions in your favour with the big crowd shouting for stuff. And I actually thought he was surprisingly even on his decision making. And yeah, I'm just surprised at that. But I'm proud of how the team played. And 
for fans, we were, we were fantastic. It was non-stop noise, about 2,500, 2,600 making that trip. And uh, it was, it's a game you won't, won't forget anytime soon. Absolutely. I'm just going to have a word on, on Michael Beale's post-match interview, actually. Um, I'm really sort of not happy about having to praise a Rangers manager, but I thought his post-match interview yesterday was great. Not, no, obviously, he, he did the right thing, allowing a... Uh, Thistle to, to walk the ball in and he's obviously got a bit of stick from his own fans for that being really like that. That's a that's a fair enough move, so fair play to him for that. Also just on the, the penalty decision, I'm a bit of a like a, a laws nerd on, on Twitter sometimes and I feel like I'm just sort of shouting at nobody when I say it. I think the laws of football are like terribly written. Especially when it comes to like red card and penalty offences. There's so much like endangering the opponent handballs with the laws just not clear enough and then it leaves things open to interpretation, like getting those penalties for handballs, where everyone sees it strike the hand, but like if you've played football or if you've watched football for long enough, you, you know it's not a, it shouldn't be a penalty, but by the letter of the law, if a referee goes to a screen to see it, he's going to give it, and that's basically what Michael Beale said, he said it, it's not the ref's fault, like it probably is a penalty, um, but it shouldn't be, and I, I like the fact that he was, he was questioning the laws of the game, that I, I can get right behind that. As, a, as, as I say, as a laws nerd. I was going to have a chat about where where do we think the season goes from here then? Um, obviously, Chris Doolan and on an interim basis, where, as we've mentioned, we're not sure how long that'll be for. David, I'll start with you with this one. Do you think that the playoffs are still, well, the playoffs are promotion, still like an essential thing for us this season? Obviously, the board have referenced that, but is, is this like a, a, a key time for us, or do you think it's a, a time to for a potential new manager, whenever he comes in, to just to just judge the players and we we really have a go at it next season, or do you think it's it's all stations go for the next ten weeks or so? Oh, I I, I think that absolutely with the with the amount of games left, I like I, again we we we've been absolutely. I mean, after negativity the last couple of weeks. I'm gonna swing right back to usual self. Like, if you're a, if you're a sort of young a manager looking to kind of make a name for yourself, this is the perfect scenario. You're still within touching distance in a league no one wants to win. We spent about an hour last week talking about how this entire league is a dung heap full of teams that do not want to win the title and will just lose consistently all the time out of nowhere for no apparent reason. Like, if you're if you're a manager, like if you're doing if you're doing and you're looking at, I mean, with all that happened with Archie in the twelve thirteen season, you have to think to yourself, right? There's a team there, like there's clearly a team there. They saw yesterday that there is a team there capable of playing well and getting a tune out of them. It's not like we've, I don't know, like Motherwell or something like that, and we've like recruited not very well, and we've done, you know, we. We've just had a bit of a nightmare in the transfer window. We still have a very, very strong team for the level. And I think as well for, for Doolan, I mean, essentially Doolan's got players he played with, uh, Lawless and Bannigan. You know, he knows them like the back of his hand. He's played with them for so long. And as well as that, Brian Graham it, it, it was basically the next Doolan for us, just both in terms of his attitude and general just goal-getting goal ability. If anyone's going to be able to set up a team involving Lawless and Bannigan to set up a player like Brian Graham to try and get goals. It's probably going to be Chris Doolan. I mean, when we had him on, he talked about sort of that that kind of that striker's instinct, that mentality that you have and about 
getting balls in and stuff like that, and about how he used to play and the goals that he scored. Like, if I'm doing and I've got those players there and they've got a Brian Graham figure there up front, there's something to work with there. And I think Doolan will absolutely go for it. I mean, we do also have to caveat it with the sort of thing, you know, Jerry Britton was a fistle icon and he became an interim manager. And I don't think he won a game for about four spells. So, you know, it's not a, it's not a cast iron slam dunk that he's going to do it. But if ever if ever there's a team set up for Doolan to do something with it and a striker up front who can understand the Doolan mentality, it's got, it's got to be this team and Brian Graham. I I agree, and I don't I don't I think the characters we've got in the team won't settle for like just seeing out the season. Brian Graham being the prime example, but you also think like Holt, Doherty, like these are like motivated professionals that are desperate to to finish the season well. And I've mentioned I'm, I'm a laws nerd, I'm a, a points nerd as well. I look back on like championship winning points and points averages for teams this season, and I know this is. Such a long shot, and I'm not going to come around and ask you for what chance you think we've got to win in the league. But Queen's Park, if they carry on their points average, are going to finish on 64 or 65 points this season. Right? If we want to get to that, to say 64 points, we need to get another 31 points. Right? We've got 13 games left this season, so that's 10 wins and a draw. That's exceptionally unlikely considering the recent form we've had. But 10 wins and a draw in 13 games is not impossible if if Doolan starts well and we get a bit of feel good around us, that's got to be the aim. And I, I, I'm I'm saying that's a one or two percent chance of happening, but that has to be the aim for the rest of the season. You, you target ten wins and you go for that. Reese, what about you? What where do you see the rest of the season going from here? I completely agree with what David's saying. I think, as I've said already, it's, it's one of these ones that can go either way. But I think like you, the whole team need to get around each other take as much confidence from that result well not the result but the performance at the weekend and just give it a right good go you've got nothing to lose now Dylan has nothing to lose the fans aren't ever going to turn against Dylan. he's in on an interim basis so if, if we can go in and get a couple of results brilliant and then we can push on for there if Dylan comes in and he loses a couple of games that's not going to taint his reputation but it will be a, a tough one to take and I think at that point a new manager probably would come in but I think we can have a right good go at it now because Ultimately, with McCall, you're, you're probably getting playoffs and no better than that. But now, there's the unknown with Dylan. There's every chance that Dylan could come in and be brilliant and, and take us on a run. And you've just got to hope for that. You never, as I've said many times on the podcast, you never give up sight of the title as long as it's still there. And I think that was one of the things that, that scuppered it for McCall himself. I think it was after the Hamilton game. And all of us agree as fans, but as a manager, I don't think you should be coming out saying that's us, the league's gone now with, what, 15 games still to play. I think that was a bit premature to say as the, 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 the manager of the team. So with Dylan coming in now, who knows, you can, you can anything can happen. Um, and we've just got to hope for the best, give it our all and, and see where we end up at the end of the season. We'll look ahead to the, the air game we're done at Somerset Park on Saturday. And Jamie, I know this is almost an impossible question because this is Chris Dylan's managerial debut, but what are your sort of expectations for the team you'll pick, the shape, the tactics? What are you expecting from, from the team on Saturday? I think he'll kind of go with what he knows. So I think Lawless will start, Harry Muirhead will start, Barry will start. Uh, he's played with Ross Doherty. Fitzpatrick he's played with, he's played with Chad Millen. I mean, they're all first-team players anyway, but I think he will very likely go with the players he started, especially the ones from the title-winning season. So, you're head-banning in a loss, and they're all guaranteed starters, in, in my view. 
but how the play style he'll pick, I really don't know. I don't know if he's going to try genuinely line us up or have his play like we did in 2012-13, if that's what he's going to do. It's, it's really hard to tell because there's literally nothing to go on about his managerial style. There's, there's literally nothing. So I feel it's just kind of guesswork. But I feel he, whatever maybe he felt worked in the past with some of the players that we currently have when he was playing, I think he'll try to utilise those strengths again because that's all he's really got to go off. Yeah, I, th- I think you think of the, the best teams Dylan played in and he had creative players around him and he had attacking fullbacks. So I think he'll probably try to capitalise on on McMillan and Milne. And I think, as you've said, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Lawless, Tiffany and Fitzpatrick start behind Brian Graham and a sort of solid midfield base of Bannigan and, and Doherty to sort of defend as, as the fullbacks fly forward. And I think it'll be a sort of toss of a coin between McAvoy and Muirhead as well. I think Holt will start and... It could be a sort of four-two-three-one shape. Reese, do you want to come in on that? Yeah, I can. I can actually see us going with pretty similar to what we played at the weekend there, and Dylan just pretty much keeping it the same. Um, I think uh, Graham suspended, didn't he? And I, I think That's a good point, yeah. out with those two, out with uh, Dowds and Mullen, I feel like Dylan being a striker. I think that he'll opt to start Mullen over Dowds. Um, I've just got a feeling that that's who Dylan would prefer that type of striker. But who knows? We'll need to wait and see. And it's almost exciting. It's exciting times, and I'm I'm really looking forward to giving. Like who knows? Dylan might get one game. We might appoint a manager before before the air game, and he could be in the stand. So Dylan might just get this one game. So it is nice for Dylan to get a chance to to officially get a send off. I know he had his testimonial and stuff, but like to actually be back at Thistle, I'm sure the fans will be singing this Dylan's name for 90 minutes. Uh, he wears number nine, and the Dylan chance it'll be good to get all that back out your system again. So. I'm I'm looking forward to their game now, and and you've got to hope that you get a wee bit of a new manager bounce because, and I, I remember under Gary Caldwell we never really got that bounce. We got a mini bounce under McCall. It was coming and going. Let's just hope we can get a win at, at Somerset Park at the weekend. I think for all all the concern off the pitch at the moment, it is quite exciting on the pitch. Just as you've said, Reese, I think it'll be a great atmosphere. We'll probably take a, a fair support down to Air United on a on a Saturday. I think the last time. We played them, that was the rearranged game, so it was maybe a slightly smaller support than we would have got on the Saturday. But uh, I think a Saturday down at Air United with, with Chris Julian in charge, off the back of the game Ibrox on, on on Sunday there, I think it'll be a really good atmosphere and a really good day again for, for Thistle fans and hopefully the, we can get a result to, to match that atmosphere off the pitch. Heather, do you want to kick us off with a, a prediction for the, for the game of the weekend? Um, can I go for... Um, let's see. Uh, six four. You absolutely can. Probably six stubborn is crazy. <laughs> yep. With um, Danny Mullen can score a hat trick because he's gonna get a um a lesson with he's gonna get a one to one lesson with Chris Dillon on how to aim at target and shoot quickly, etc. <laughs> that would be good. Um, Reese, you're leading the predictions table on twenty three points. You can go next. Uh, I'm going to go 2-1 Jags. I think it'll actually be a really good game. Like I say, I'm looking forward to it. And I think the defence can take confidence from that game. I know we conceded three goals, but like they've done pretty well against Rangers strikers and arguably the, the second best team in the country. Um, arguably the best, some would say. So they've done they've done really well against top strikers. Depot, Akinyemi is a top striker, but he played against Bear at that the weekend and who knows? I think the defence can take confidence. I don't think we're quite ready for that elusive clean sheet yet, but 
I can see us getting a victory. 2-1. David, you're second two points behind Reese in the prediction table. You can you can go next. Well, um, I th- I, I, I'm probably in agreement that we probably won't get a clean sheet. However, Air scraped past Elgin. They were 1-0 down at Elgin in the 89th minute on Saturday. And we were 1-0 up at Rangers at half-time. There's levels to us. And um, I think that with Doolin and Doolin in the dugout against Air United, Air United obviously quite like to take the piss because Doolin wasn't great for them. It would be lovely just to really fucking wind up Air fans. Um, with Chris Doolin, Ross Dockett, he got a hat-trick. Um, Ross Doherty, actually I think we'll get another walk-in goal Ross Doherty to walk in um, the goal, that should just be a new thing I think that would be brilliant and yeah, um, either that, we'll, we'll let Dylan walk it in, we'll let him get him on in his tracksuit and he can walk in the goal uh, to finally go further than the, the top scorer it hasn't let every game against Ayr in like the last four years been like 4-1 either to us or to Ayr like, someone always scores four so I'm going to go 4-1 Thistle I, I, like we're going for I like your optimism. Uh, Jamie, oh. you're a further two points behind David, so you can go next. I think it's actually going to be quite an exciting game. It'll be quite end to end, and I also agree we're not going to keep a clean sheet. But I'm going to say that we'll win 3 2. It's going to be a very uh, topsy turvy game, but Crystal and the winning managerial style, that'd be, that'd be quality. So 3 2 has I like it. I, I, right, uh, this, what a stupid thing to do. I will back is to keep a clean sheet. I know we've, we've conceded six to air already this season. And this is a weird thing to say, but we've actually contained Akinemi quite well. Um, he's scored one at Far Hill, but it was a sort of screamer out of the blue. He's not really torn us apart or had too many chances other than that said screamer. So that, that's a positive that the back four can take confidence on. It's just about stopping the rest of their team. Uh, I will back is to keep a clean sheet. It has to happen eventually against somebody who who isn't our broth, and I think we will we will ride the Doolin wave of positivity into a I'll say a two 0 victory. A goal in each half, um, and I think we'll win two 0 on on Saturday. I hope we do because I'm trailing Reese by five points in the predictions table. So all predicting wins. So what could possibly go wrong? This has been an, an enjoyable and long podcast to record. We will finish as we always do with Partridge Thistle. And after the success of Sunday's afternoon and the record factory, I'm going to ask you if you could convert one Glasgow pub restaurant venue into a regular and legitimate Thistle venue, where would you choose? David, you've been given a 100-word limit on this answer, so I'll start with you. I'll make this easy. It's my favourite non-woody pub in Glasgow, the 13th Note Cafe. I spent my entire 20s going to see weirds Bands in the basement in there. It's a vegan cafe. They do good pints. I love it. Um, Quentin Jacobs, um, former Thistle player, once scored from a corner against Ross County and then spent the night in the 13th note afterwards um, drinking orange juice, bizarrely. Um, so it, it, there's some Thistle heritage there already. That was where Quentin Jacobs went after they scored from the corner. So I'm going with the 13th note cafe in Trongate and King Street. Heather, what about you? Um, I mean, I love the record factory on Saturday. Oh, sorry, on Sunday it was fab. Um, I mean, I might go like quirky, like because you said venue. Imagine just being in the Botanic Gardens and just having like a party, and like is in like the 
the kind of dome bit and just like having a party in there with the fish that'd be very I feel that'd be quite on brand thistle um I I mean I I do enjoy Cooper's I mean Cooper's has got a lot of like thistle stuff already but yeah no that's my take uh taking over the botanic gardens and like just having and having a fun time there Cooper's is great we'll head to the botanics if we win the league that'll be the title part of this uh Jamie what about you if I had to convert anywhere uh I go nails pub in Partick so I'm literally going in like five minutes for the pub quiz but do a Partick Thistle pub quiz there instead love, I'd love something like that have like Stuart Bannigan hosting it him as, asking the questions going teams see who wins it and then if you win it you get a fire fire alarm voucher whatever that thing was that they gave it over the lockdown quizzes I'd love if that kind of thing. <laughs> if Bannigan's hosting it if you lose it do you get slide tackled ah uh, yeah you, you get you get you get a uh, one game ban you can't go wherever the next game is <laughs> I was going to say, it looks um, like I'm getting slight tackled in. Aye, there's my phone break. No, no, got an answer. No, I'm kidding on. Um, I don't know. Uh, Pepe's on Woodlands Road, the chicken and rice place. See the chicken and rice from there? The best thing on earth. And we're only going there so we can get a march to the stadium every week. Not too far from the ground. And Manfred will be orchestrating it for the front. So, aye, that can become a regular feature at the home games at Furhill when we're playing Cove Rangers at home. A one-up. Jamie Snedding the- goes there. Uh, Jamie Sneddon goes to Pepe's uh, fan of the show Jack Church. Um he spotted Jamie Sneddon and Pepe's in more than one mate, occasion I, mate, I spotted a, a Fistle I won't oh, it doesn't even matter if I say names or not but um, I spotted a Fistle player Ben Stanway in Pepe's right and he was standing next to me on the phone and he just turned around to his mates and he's like Gaffer says I'm going it alone this was about six months ago and then it obviously ends up going to Airdrie so Funny, funny the fistle players you meet down in Pepe's, not me. <laughs> maybe, maybe, David, me and you should just take a mic down to Pepe's. Hope we can get a, an exclusive of one of them for our next week's episode. <laughs> every 10, 15 like minutes. hot ones. <laughs> just do like hot ones out of all <laughs> the fistle players. <laughs> I, I one up you on Pepe's for Woodland Road Screen. I, obviously, I'll go the Shish Mahal. Um, I think the staff in there were, were trying to slowly convert them to, to Thistle fans. Sometimes they ask uh, your Thistle playing today, so we'll convert Thistle, uh, the Shish Mahal into a Thistle restaurant, get get kits on the wall, name the curry dishes after the players, that sort of thing. Yeah, we'll do that. But stick a bit of red through the mango lassie for red and yellow. Yeah, that's what we'll do. A Thistle pub crawl would be class. Oh, it would. Well, well. I, I was going to say, I don't know if I told you this, I told you, Matt, but I get sent a PDF from someone in the Woody of a Fistle pub crawl that they had made of all our old grounds. So, yeah, if you genuinely, if you want to do that, that'd be, great. that'd be a great episode. We just record at each pub, increasingly get more and more wasted until we get to, like, stop nine in the Woody and register, like, can't speak. Well, see when we lose 2-0 on Saturday and there's absolutely no... A wave of crystalline positivity <laughs> to write. <laughs> we'll go out on Sunday and do that, and that'll be the podcast next week. Anyway, if you have made it about an hour and a half into this week's episode, thank you very much for listening. We'll be back next week to look back on the, the probable start of the, the crystalline era, however long that is, and to look ahead to our trip to our growth. In the meantime, stay safe.